What's going on, guys? Welcome back to Uncommon Ground. I am Mike Wright. I am the non-believer of the group. And Uncommon Ground is the name of this podcast. We are in Rock Hill, South Carolina, and we're based out of Allison Creek Presbyterian Church. And again, like I said, I am the non-believer. And if you are curious on why that is, we have this podcast to have conversation. And basically, we want to have those conversations that most people probably feel uncomfortable about and put it out there and see what people really think about their religious beliefs sometimes and how maybe it can be thought differently from someone else's point of view it doesn't have to be one point of view all the time so we we encourage you to listen and to join in our conversation i hope you can also join in with other people as well so to my left is sam mcgregor he's pastor of allison creek presbyterian church and to my right is my wife janine and she has more of a spiritual belief, but her opinion varies and differs in mine. So, so last week we started with Exodus, just going in the first part of it with um, Moses and trying to get rid of all the Egyptians and everything like that. Oh gosh! And <laughs> wipe out the Egyptians. <laughs> and then this week we're going to continue and talk more about the Ten Commandments and everything like that. So we'll continue the story. So Sam, if you want to continue. Yeah. So well, I mean, actually. You know, so in the story, which which we referenced in our first podcast last week, the, the Israelites are enslaved, and then God leads Moses to lead the people out of slavery, and then the Egyptians pursue them. But then God provides a, a, a way for them to get through the Red Sea, and then the Red Sea envelops the Egyptian army, and so they're they're wiped out. So tough for them. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Egyptians, you know. And then they they go on this journey uh, in the in the wilderness, which ends up being forty. Which is actually forty is a biblical number of of, of testing and in in, in uh, completeness of a of a time of, of period of of challenge. And so in in the in the journey, the the Israelites complain they don't have enough food, they don't have enough water, and but then God always provides uh, always provides what's they they need with with quail or with manna which is basically a, a dough that they end up making and, and using which probably is not very tasty but it it sustains them for a long period of time and then we we get to this part of the journey where they do encounter the amalekites but then they're victorious over the amalekites and then Moses is getting overwhelmed with all his responsibilities. And so his father-in-law tells him, hey, dude, you need to start giving up some of your responsibilities, which which Moses does as far as being a judge for, for all the disputes. And then and then we have the story of, of Moses being led up the, the mountain, uh, which we're told is either Mount Sinai or Mount Horeb. And, and there he is presented a set of rules. And we call these the Ten Commandments, although there ends up being about 600 plus statutes that are um, also in, in this, which are, are very, very specific to the setting um, and very specific to the time. But the, what we call the Ten Commandments are, are rules which are certainly transferable from, from that period to today. And so, um, so that's what we're going to look at today. But... We also may have some questions about uh, who God is and what God looks like. So, mm-hmm. um, 
So, so with the Ten Commandments, I mean, what makes you think the 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 definition of the Ten Commandments leads to what it what they are? Like, why are because you had mentioned um, earlier that uh, like the first four are to honor God, and then the rest of them are to honor your community. And why why are the ones that are on your community like kind of spread out? Why are they not like all condensed into one? Because they all kind of seem to be the same one. So why are they all separate? Well, in in the New Testament, we get Jesus being asked, what's the, what's the most important commandment? And Jesus boils down these commandments into two commandments, which is basically what these commandments are, which is love God and love your neighbor. And so if you look at at you know, the first four, it's about loving God. And if you look at the last six, it's about loving your neighbor. And, and so, you know, that really is, is, is what the, the commandments are all about. It's about guidance being given to a community about how are you to be community. And you're to be a, 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 a vital community by loving God and loving your neighbor. And so let me, give you, let me break that down in how to do that. So, so pretty much the Ten Commandments is like the long-winded version, and then Jesus came back with the cliff notes. <laughs> Jesus <laughs> kind of narrowed it down. Yes, made it. You know what exactly? So, with with that being said, which we're not in that part of the story yet, but with that being said, if he narrowed it down to two, why are the ten important? Like, why are they separated? into 10 different commandments if they're really only two that are kind of the important ones about loving God and loving community. Why, why are they all separate? I guess because you have to highlight each individual thing and you have to kind of show emphasis on each individual thing. But I think you could so, have like the two paragraphs. Well, if you, if you make something too vague, then people aren't going to get the full message. That's well, no, the thing. What I'm saying is you have two paragraphs. Instead of the 10 commandments, you just have two paragraphs. I know it's not as like... People like lists. I know it's not as... <laughs> you it's like lists, don't you, Janine? We do like lists. It's the top 10 list of... And that's what people like. Go. David so, Letterman made a killing on that. Yeah. There you go. So, so, okay. so my also... My thing about the Ten Commandments I was talking about was a, a lot of talk of false gods and numerous gods. And that's kind of the thing that we talked about last week and just kind of touching on that. Like, are there other gods and... Is God supposed to be like the head, you know, the head God and he doesn't really want you to acknowledge these gods or that's kind of where my confusion kind of comes from as well. Well, I think, you know, if we look at the the particularly the Old Testament story, I think it's it is kind of like a, a competition mm -hmm. and and God saying there are lots of gods that you can choose to follow. But let me tell you why. I'm the one that you should choose to follow. Mm -hmm. I'm going to lead you to places of deliverance. I'm going to lead you to places of, of, of justice. I'm going to lead you to places of grace and love. And these other gods that you can choose to follow are not going to lead you in those directions. But he still threatens you. To what do, do you so. mean? <laughs> that he says to like, you need to do follow these, these guidelines or I'm going to smite you or I'm going to you know, do whatever. Um, I mean, even in even in Exodus in this part, I mean, he tells you that he you are supposed to like make an altar to him and things like that. Um, and those are like and if you don't make an altar, I mean, he did say that someone who does not follow the commandments and doesn't do these things will not go without punishment. Um, so he still like puts this fear in you to follow him or else. 
And and I can hear you're you're. This is really disturbing to you. <laughs> well, it it is. You know, I this, mean, to be this bullied, ex, this exclusivity to be bullied is, mm-hmm. is really um, disconcerting to you. Well, it's one of those things that everyone claims that he loves he loves all of his creations and stuff like that. Yet he still wants to like play with them and take a magnifying glass to them, you know. And it's like <laughs> it's it's a little it's a little disconcerting that people want to follow something that's willing to set you on fire. Well, he's not going to set you on fire. It's, that's it's, that's it's, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I, I think, use the magnifying glass. I as think like a, there's a difference between how people describe God and how and maybe how God really is. I think people make it seem like God is this um, scary, vengeful, jealous, you know, uh, vindictive kind of kind of God, but that doesn't necessarily have to be. So, how it is it's almost like you like you know bedtime stories and you scare you know like things as when you're growing up fairy tales they're they're right. kind of like fairy tales but they have like these things that scare people and so it may be people's um and now you know how they try to teach god to people but that's not necessarily how god so, really is so to fall on that point the interesting thing is that most of the time and pastor sam you do this as well is when after you tell your sermon and stuff you say this is the word of the lord which means that the lord is telling you these things so he's no, i don't you. say that after my sermon i say that after the scripture reading okay yeah well then Mark i don't say that, that i i do not i mean i what i try to do in a sermon is to to give a faithful interpretation mm-hmm. i do not say that this is god's well, word still the scripture coming from the bible the is, scripture is, coming from the bible right yes i believe that yes they that that it is God's words being spoken through the Bible, mm-hmm. through human people. So, with that being said, when human you, agendas. Mm-hmm. When you, Janine, were saying that, like, this is a people's interpretations, mm-hmm. when you say it's the word of the Lord, that's saying that you are quoting him and that this is what it is. It's actually like putting quotes on it. Yeah, but I also look at the Bible different than Pastor Sam looks at the Bible. I mean, this so, is true. So, so, the way I feel that people have kind of added a little, you know, extra details to stories to try to make it seem a little bit more you know like you you know you're scaring a person into believing something whereas it's possible that's not how you know it doesn't have to be that scary because some things like you read in the bible and i've said this before some things you see in the bible and it comes off very scary whereas other times you know you can have messages and it just comes off like you're learning a lesson but you don't have to be scared into it I feel like it should be a little bit more. I'm not saying you have to hold someone's hand, and but I, I feel like there's just a lot of like fear and a lot of darkness. And so, so well, let's let's focus on the, what we're looking at today. Mm-hmm. The Ten Commandments mm-hmm. is. Do you see this, that as dark? Um, I feel a little bit because even like saying like the other gods, where did they come from? Like, and and are they able to ca- kind of take over or like I don't understand like. If God created everything, where did these other gods come from? Or are they just a figure of people's imaginations and they're not really gods? So that's kind of like, did he create these people or were they, you know, things that he had? I don't know whether it be angels or whatever. And then they kind of turned on him. And that's why he's saying, don't look at them. Don't don't follow them. So I even think that is, you know, kind of scary because now there's things out there that can tempt you and you know yeah. sway you there are things so, out there that yeah. can tempt you i mean um i remember being in in a seminary class and, and we kept 
you know, kind of saying, well, where does evil come from? Where mm-hmm. does evil come from? Mm-hmm. And ultimately, my professor, Shirley Guthrie, would say, evil is that which is what God does not create. Now, I mean, that's kind of a mind-blowing. Yeah. You know. <laughs> that just makes the question um, like, wait, but wait, right, I have more questions right, after that. <laughs> right. So, you know, so I guess, you know, your question, where do other gods come from? I guess I would, I would say, I would kind of respond to that in the same way and say that, other gods are things that are outside of what God creates. Mm-hmm. So with that being said, I feel like <laughs> I have questions in my head as far as like, if that's the case, then how is it not that possibly another God created earth or another God created man or another God created animals or whatever. And then the God that is in the Bible just took, <laughs> took over. Took over. Because <laughs> I mean, here's the thing. So... <laughs> He's a ponder on that one. So, so he, he, like a hermit people, crab. God, people, God is a giant hermit crab. Oh, he, gosh. He moves into somebody else's territory and <laughs> takes over. I mean, who, who knows? It could be. Um, I mean, but it's like, it's one of those things where people will talk about like sin, about you shouldn't have sin, you shouldn't have sin in your heart and all this other stuff. But it's written, especially in the Ten Commandments, that he is a jealous God. He states that I am a jealous God. But isn't jealousy a form of sin in the form of lust of something that someone else has that you want? Like if you're jealous of someone, you have lust in your heart, right? So wouldn't that be one of the sins? And how does he, if he's supposed to be this, the not like all powerful, whatever that that doesn't have any flaws, how does he have those kind of sins as well? Well, one of the things it's important to understand is that is that language is a human created concept. Right. And so anytime that we use language to describe who God is or, or, or what God says by the very nature of using language, we are constricting who God is. Right. Because, um, you know, human language has definitions and, and what, you know, a word in one language doesn't translate into another language well sometimes and so i I mean the the to me what you reference as as god being a a jealous god i don't see that as as jealousy in the sense of materialistic things well you're my you know you're hanging out with such and such and i want you to be my friend what i see it as as god saying what is best for you is to be exclusively in relationship with me and trust me fully and completely. Mm. And, and I can see that that's not something you want to go for. <laughs> I think, I think I would feel more comfortable if people describe God as he's a loyal God. He's a like loyal. That's what I would say. I wouldn't say the word jealous. I think that's the word that we're bringing it into more of like that human kind of aspect. Cause we're thinking, when someone's jealous of someone, they're jealous that they have this fancy car or they have this big house. So we're we're going to translate it that way. Whereas if we say he's a loyal God and he's, you know, he's a, a God that, you know, wants you to just, you know, follow with him and be with him, but not that he's jealous. Because I think that's when you put the, the bad notation. And I think people like Mike, that's what they hear. They hear he's well, like this, gimme, gimme. And, and like I was saying, if God was a person would you want to be his friend now if i heard someone say hey that's god over there he's a really jealous friend i would be like oh i don't know if i want to be his friend but if they said hey that's god over there he's a really loyal god 
he's a really loyal friend. You'd be like, I, th- I think I want a friend like that. I think it's the way the wording was, you know, put out. Well, because we're we, translating we have it to, different. We have to realize that translating different or not, this is what this is how we communicate. And if you use words in a certain way to communicate, you need to know that someone is going to take those words mm-hmm. a certain way. And then if you use the words like jealous, you, mm-hmm. you you're standoffish. Mm-hmm. But and whether they translated right or not, you you have to know whoever's translating it. Yeah. Like, mm, I don't know if that translates right. I'm gonna have to change something, which they've done over time in the Bible. Um, especially like listening to, um, when people talk today, mm-hmm. that's not exactly the words that were read in my, ver- in my version. So they, mm-hmm. they change things over the years. Well, it's not that they're, they're, ch- it's not that you're changing things. What, what the, while we have different translations of the Bible is because of, uh, different folks going back to, to trying to go back to original documents and mm-hmm. trying to to translate those original documents to, to language which is understandable and, and appropriate for today. So, like, you know, the King James Version was written in Old English. Mm-hmm. And, and it was also, there were not very many source documents that were used in the translation of the, of the King James Version, whereas translations today like say the new revised standard version or or other translations they're using much more they're using a, a wide variety of of original text see there's not a original bible first okay. of all the bible is is not a book it's a collection mm-hmm. of books it's more like a library yeah and so it's not like you can go back and say oh well this is you know we have the original bible we don't we have we have different pieces mm-hmm. that, and that's a whole nother conversation about how those pieces got to put together and such that they did. Um, I mean, there's all sorts of agendas and, and why certain books got included and why did some did not get included. But anytime, again, going back, anytime you use language to try to describe God, you are limiting God right away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But going back to what you said, would you, based on how like Janine was saying, <laughs> being God's friend? So, so, so I would ask Janine, mm-hmm. what is your image of who God is? Okay, so based on a lot of like church and Bible and their description of what God is, I would say he's a a, a jealous person that will hold grudges. And who will, at the same time, will love you and give you things, will teach you lessons, and he will um, try to steer you the right way. But if you go the wrong way, he's going to really make you pay. Like, he's really going to make you remember over and over that you did that. Um, And I say that also because even after going back to Adam and Eve, they made this mistake. They made a horrible mistake. They, They disobeyed, I understand. But it's like that mistake that they had they made people are still paying for it like their their children were still paying for it they still paid for it so it's like you hold grudges that's how i see based on what the way god is described me i see god as someone who wants to help you do good he's going to teach you lessons when you do something wrong he's going to call you out on it he's not going to be like oh well you know that's okay everyone makes mistakes he'll call you out on it let you learn your lesson but he's not going to hold it against you and always have to throw it back in your face but 
he's going to be there with you as partnership and he's going to guide you and walk with you and also let you take the lead when you need to as well when he feels that you are strong and able to do that and that's how my relationship is with God but when I read the Bible it's it's this mean guy who's just kind of like I'm gonna teach you but if you mess up I'm gonna make you know over and over that you messed up so without knowing a whole lot about your church background Mm -hmm. Janine I mean what I'm hearing from what you're saying Mm -hmm. is is the way God was presented to you was what I would use the term of fire and brimstone mm. that, um, you know, you need to do this or you're going to be punished. Mm-hmm. And, and so God becomes something to fear mm-hmm. and, and be uncomfortable around because, you know, God is this, um, um, very oppressive male dominating figure. And, and if, if, if that image of God is presented to me, mm-hmm. I don't want to have anything to do with that. Mm-hmm. And and I think, unfortunately, that's where the institutional church has 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 um, um, been 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 very bad for a lot of folks who you know they have been presented that image of God, mm-hmm. and and they don't want to have anything to do with that, and so therefore. You know, if that's the way religion is going to present God to me, mm-hmm. I don't want to have anything to do with that. I agree. And I think a lot of people have been given that image. And then when they feel that they've done wrong, they feel, well, the church isn't going to accept me because I'm this kind of person. And based on the people, you know, the person that they're all, you know, this God that they're they're talking about, he's not going to like a person like me. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, so I think that makes them feel like it's not as welcoming because they feel mm-hmm. judged and they feel... Um, like their wrongs, they're already too far gone. So, and you know, it's when you do something bad and you're just like, you know what, I'm just going to keep living the life of crime. I'm not even going to try to, you know, you know, change myself. And that's kind of, I think that it's just not as welcoming. And I mm-hmm. feel like that's, that's where it needs to be. I mean, I think that's more of just a problem amongst people though. Not, yeah. not about like just, and that's, and that's why I say, I don't, I feel like it's been, um, put in, in a lot of people's minds and then they have that kind of this scary god he's aggressive he's this you know and then they tell other people that but i don't feel like that's probably the way god was intended to be interpreted i don't think i think that it was supposed to be a a little bit more of a welcoming and just warm comforting kind of feeling whereas it's now kind of everyone has kind of like you got to be afraid you sinned you got to be afraid and i feel like that's what a lot of it is so i think it's a lot of having to undo a lot of people's um you know, and some people don't even realize that that's the kind of, you know, person, if let's say God is a person, that's the kind of, you know, you know, energy that they're saying God has just as aggressive and angry and jealous. And that's why I said the choice of words, I think that's what actually is pushing people away from wanting to learn more. And I, and I feel a need to, to want to apologize you know, apologize yeah. to you, Janine, for the way the institutional church has greatly distorted who God is. Mm-hmm. And and so that, you know, the image that you have received mm-hmm. that was provided to you, which unfortunately is the image that a lot of people mm-hmm. are provided, is this, you know, dominating, judgmental, um, male um, God that... You know, a lot of folks have said, I don't want to have anything to do with that. 
But I don't think the male part is what bothers people. I think it's the just the 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 kind of like dominating and judgmental part. Because mm-hmm. I don't really feel like I don't think people should be like I I feel now that the God that you know I have a relationship with it's still a guy. He's still <laughs> he's still he's <laughs> so it's like he I I I don't feel like that's the, I just feel like his uh, approach. What I had to learn through my own life and my own, like, you know, journey, uh, you know, with my beliefs, it just, it, it didn't have to be so scary the way people were, you know, making it seem. But I'm okay with saying that, you know, Jesus, I mean, God is a dude and, you know, all this stuff. And I don't think, you know, it, it matters. I feel like however you see God, if it helps you, that's how I feel. I feel like if that's what, if you see God as, your your cat that sits on the couch every day and you want to talk to your cat and that's that's you but if you feel like you have some kind of faith then and you feel comfortable in it and you don't feel threatened or pressured or feared into faith then i think that that's a good thing well and and that's very important um because you know i I think you know scaring somebody into 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 faith is not faith that's that's i don't know what that is but you know what I hope maybe through through our time together is that we will start to see a wide variety of of images of 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 God mm-hmm. that are presented in the scriptures mm-hmm. and i mean when i do when I do chapel with the preschoolers, we always have a prayer time and and I always invite them to close their eyes and then imagine what you think God looks like to you, whatever you think that is mm-hmm. and Unfortunately, they some of them think that I'm God, and <laughs> yeah. that's a totally yeah. you know what a distorted image of God <laughs> those kids get. But you know, I, I think you know what you've described as your image of God is not the image that I have, mm-hmm. and and again, if I had the image that you've just described, I would not want to have anything to do with that. Mm. I can respect that. Yeah. But but like I said, everyone's journey is their own. And it's I feel like it's the same thing like when you read a book and then they turn it into a movie and you're like, I didn't picture that guy as the lead or I didn't picture the scene or the scenery or anything looking like that. So everyone's going to have their own vision, but you can still appreciate it. You can still appreciate the book, but you just say, that's not how I, I envisioned it. So. She, well, she and didn't like Charleston Hessen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. <laughs> oh, white guy. It's not what Moses looked like. Um, so, you know, I, and, I, and I hope that when we start getting into, into looking at some, some, some New Testament and, and looking at Jesus' relationship and to God, and and how that that maybe that that will open up some different ways of of, of who God is, mm-hmm. um, but also in, in ultimate there's there's so much here and and as if we continue to to look through the Moses and, and his relationship with God, it is a very dynamic relationship, yeah. mm-hmm. some very um, you know um, challenging conversations in which. Uh, I would like us to look at some texts where where Moses says to God, God, you said you were faithful, and and you're not being faithful. And remember, 
this is the promise you made. And I mean, it is very much where Moses challenges God to say, you need to keep your promises, God. I think those are cool kinds of conversations that, I mean, that, is that Moses has with God that are that very bring those, those challenging. Up. Yeah, definitely. Because yeah. we also have texts where, where God changes God's mind. Hmm. You know, I mean, that's what the text says. Yeah. And, and so you know, you know, I'd like to explore that. So yeah. real quick before we go, I, I have to bring it back to the Ten Commandments. I have one other thing okay. I should have brought up earlier that I was just thinking about. <laughs> oh, he's getting ready to drop a big one. <laughs> so <laughs> with the Ten Commandments, it says that you should not like create any images of anything from heaven, earth, or below. But doesn't almost every church do that with doing crucifix of Jesus and angels on windows and things like that, and, and rays of of light for heaven. And aren't those all objects of heaven, earth, and below? Well, not really below, but like all these things, shouldn't all these churches be destroyed? <laughs> oh my gosh, Michael. They're wow, not he sure did drop. Yep, there you go. Because there they're not was. a bang there you go. the Ten Commandments. <laughs> oh, Michael. <laughs> oh, Michael. Oh, Michael. We already really, established Michael? they're just buildings. <laughs> Well, and that's actually been something that's uh, been um, area of great controversy amongst churches is is um, you know are stained glass windows idols or are you know physical manifestations of of God or whatever is that or angels is that idolatry? So that's a that's you know fair question. I mean, to me, those. You know, whenever whenever we create artistic expressions of something, that in itself is an interpretation. You know, someone's interpretation of of what they see or experience. Um, so, okay. But it does well, this you're you're not. I'm not getting <laughs> the answer you're looking for. So you're, we're you're, no, I mean, <laughs> smite the churches down. So what we want to do is, um, if we each have a question that we can kind of throw back to you guys and see like, you know, just based on this conversation, um, I'll go first. Um, my question is if God was a person based on how, you know, God is described, would you want to be his friend? So that's going to be my question to everyone. Okay. I mean, I just think that I'm wondering <laughs> if the 10 commandments are really something that is meant to be obeyed. Like mm. it, it just seems very loose well, think in a lot of, a of world, so it think of a world that, that it, should be it wasn't obeyed that would be a that would be a chaotic world we're, we're living in a chaotic world and i guess my question is what is your image of god mm-hmm. and who who does god look like to you so okay. all right all right guys so um we hope you enjoyed it definitely yep. um if you didn't watch our first one go back and watch that one and continue the conversation and, and definitely also, not to cut you off, but make sure you check out uh, Pastor Sam's sermons also yeah. so you can get a background of that as well. But we want you to answer these questions. Definitely comment down below or talk to your friends, family about the questions as well. So you get their input on it. Um, I mean, the more conversation, the better people will understand how other people are and why they are. So, um, so yeah, guys, hope you enjoyed it and we'll catch you next week. Okay. Thanks, everybody. Thank Bye. Bye. <laughs>